Hey kids, be sure to listen all the way through to the end for my weekly movie pick and review. Thanks for listening. Episode one, the first of many, hopefully. Of course, if no one's listened to them, I'm not going to continue, but this is going to be uh, a show that's slightly, you know, different from uh, the Penis Hammer show, which is um, Ron Bonk and myself's show that we do together and talk about filmmaking and distribution um, and the Tales from the Set um podcast will be more, um, I guess, uh, personal stories, um, from my dealings with, uh, film sets and whatnot. And, um, and also I'll, I'll have guests and interview them and, and, you know, ask them questions and whatnot. So, um, but, uh, you know, we want to build more content for you guys, you know, rather than just the one show a week. So you have something else to listen to. And so that so that's the idea. So hopefully you guys dig some of the stuff um, that, that we're trying to do. So um, <clears throat> I thought the first episode we would talk about the... Uh, the bad apple of your set. Every set has one, you know, a problem actor, a, you know, whiny producer. Um, you know, every set has a problem child, some more than others. And every set, I, if, you know, I had to, I could, yes, a, you know, point out, you know, someone who gave me the most problems, but... One set in particular, Night of Something Strange, which is currently in post-production, I had probably the worst experience of any set I've ever worked on. Yet, it was probably, you know, one of the best experiences besides this fool who I got rid of, you know, um, basically after principal photography. Uh, but we still had a lot of reshoots and a lot more to go. So I was able to bring someone else on and then to enjoy the set um, more so. But I enjoyed it. I, I shouldn't say that I enjoyed every day. I had fun. Um, but anytime I had to interact interact with this individual, um, he was my uh, special effects and makeup artist. Um, it just, it, it was a headache. Um And it was more, a lot of people were coming to me with issues. Most of them weren't direct issues between him and I. They later became that. But um, it was most people coming with problems and stuff like that. So um, it it was a nightmare in that sense. Everything else was amazing and great, and so was everyone else. So, um, So I wanted to read this blog um, and I'll post the blog, uh, in the description somewhere so you can read it for yourself. But this is a blog that myself and Ron Bonk wrote, um, in response to him bashing me on Facebook. I remember I read, I, you know, I got on Facebook and, you know, I would go to his page only because he, we had an agreement that he wouldn't post any pictures revealing makeup of the zombies or possible key, you know, uh, plot points. And we got in this huge email battle because he started putting pictures up on Facebook. But we had an agreement that until I released a teaser that he was not to put any pictures up. Um, of the zombies or, or key plot points. 
um, which he did. So I started, you know, and then that, that, that that's a whole <laughs> another uh, uh, podcast, that whole battle. But so I started, you know, um, checking his page, you know, pretty, you know, on the regular and just to see if he'd be doing it. But um, and I was able to get Facebook to take the pictures down. But he was he started bashing me on Facebook. So, you know, I was angry and I called Ron, you know, um, and, you know, we came up with a response. We thought, you know, I can't really comment necessarily on his page or he could delete it. Um, and so we came with the idea of writing a blog so that we could post the link for all the people that were reading his hateful comments. And then they could go to that link, um, and read, you know, the truth, just my side. So, and, and Ron had helped me, um, write the blog. So, and yeah, sure. You could read it, but the beauty of this podcast is, I am embellishing on the uh, events. And um, I'll give you a little, I guess, prequel before I read the blog. So I'm three weeks away from production. I have another makeup effects artist who was a good friend of mine at the time, a a fellow filmmaker. And... um, he, he, you know, he also did special effects and makeup and stuff. And, um, I started putting a lot of pressure on him. He was, he was kind of being slow to deliver some of the effects. And so I was getting nervous because the biggest production I ever did had a lot of money in it. And, um, I really wasn't happy with some of the makeup effects. I felt they were kind of half-assed and, um, and I know this, this effects artist was also a filmmaker and I know he was also, focused on his projects too and um so eventually he kind of backed out you know claiming he couldn't take the pressure so um that's kind of what happened with that and unfortunately we're not really friends anymore right yeah i mean we're not we're 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 civil to each other but we used to be pretty tight you know we worked on each other's movies and stuff nice guy nice as can be but I mean, if you want to be in this business, you got to be able to handle the pressure, you know, because the pressure is on every single day. You got a million people coming to you asking questions, and you're just problem solving because nothing ever goes the way you want to. So, um, and I'm not talking about life because that's true life too, but I'm talking about on sets. Uh, things always, a million things always go wrong. But, um, so he, you know, he backed out and I was pissed, but, you know, it was a blessing in disguise because, um, I didn't settle for second best, you know, never settle for second best. Had I, I would not have gotten the, the makeup and effects that I got. So basically I researched and was looking for some local and, you know, flipping out and trying to find somebody. And I found the makeup effects artist that I hired on, um, uh, on I think it was Production Hub I can't remember, but he uh, he had a website. I saw his stuff. I was very impressed. His makeup, uh, you know, looked great. So I called him, and he right off the bat he is trying to sell himself to me. So I was like, cool. And he was just saying how he can do all this, and I was like, well, I'm going to production in three weeks. Can you? can you meet that schedule? He's like, Oh, hell yeah. I meet that schedule. Um, I don't, I don't do his, his accent justice. And, you know, he sounds kind of like, you know, uh, macho man with a head hint of, uh, country. In him. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, he was like selling himself and I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm already sold. I saw all your work. I, you know, I, I need to get the ball rolling. So, um, and you know, and of course he's saying how he worked in union films and Hollywood films and that he would get the da, 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 like, 
a day, but he'll give me a huge discount and all that. So I was like, okay, great. I'm stressed. I'm backed into a corner. I need to, um, I need to get an effects guy, um, you know, ASAP. So we met with him the following day, I believe it was. Um, we met at like a Denny's. He showed up. Kind of looked like a skinny hippie. He kind of acted like that too. He always would say, "Hey, brother! Hey, brother!" So I met with him, and he, you know, he brought me a uh, a cost analysis. That was it. We were gonna meet before I decided to kind of, you know, officially hire him. He said, "You know, I'll do a cost analysis for free of charge." You know, and I didn't really know they would charge for that, but uh, and he put it in this nice brand new puppy dog folder he bought me. So I was like, oh, this guy's kind of nice and, you know, um, but he, 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 you know, he, he kept just kind of talking about himself, you know, and talking about all the things he did, you know, that's great, but I want to, I want to kind of talk about the film and what I need done, you know, and at the time, you, you know, I was in such a panic to get somebody, there were some probably red flags that I overlooked, um, that I will not do again. And hopefully if you're listening, you will not do. But, um, most of the time people who are talking 99% of the time, you know, they're not learning shit cause they don't take a minute to shut the fuck up and listen to what everyone else is saying, you know? So, and that was this guy, you know, he was just all about himself talking about himself and, um, and just about how great he was. He was in love with himself. Not that you shouldn't be in love with yourself, but, um, you know, I'm hiring you to do a job. So you need to listen to what I want and, you know, and so met with him. I thought it went well. And, um, and I remember my wife was outside, introduced him, and he was, they hit it off because they both were from Oklahoma and stuff. So I was like, this guy's real nice. He, you know, talks a lot about himself. He's probably just trying to sell himself, a little nervous, whatever. So, and this gentleman was much older because I remember he was bragging about how young he looks, and he does not look young at all. I mean, it looks like he, he was left out in the sun for 100 years, but um, he, he was just bragging how, yeah, people think I'm in my late 30s, early 40s all the time. And he was like, uh, you know, he had me guess how old he was. And I was like, I don't know. Um, and I was being very generous when I said 45. I wanted to say 102, but obviously I wasn't going to say that. So he's like, no, I'm 57. I, th- I think he was 57. So I was like, okay, well, that's great. And um, he's like, I better guess your age. And I was like, all right, go. He's like, 43. I was like, 43? Okay. So you're saying you look 42, and I, you're saying I look a year older than you? And at the time, I was 32? Come on. Give me a break. So uh, right then and there, I should have known he was an idiot. Finished my Grand Slam. and got the fuck out of Denny's, but I didn't. So... Anyway, we parted ways. I, you know, and I, I liked what he could do in his work. It was his makeup was good. So the next week, I would go out to his house and meet with him and um, bring the the storyboards and uh, my designs uh, for the zombies and the monsters and all that stuff. So the first time I went out there, he was really sick. I remember he would sit there and start talking to me. And then he would go and have to throw up. I'm not sure what was wrong with him. But, um, you know, I said, you know, I can come back or whatever. He said, no, 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 no. And, I mean, and another thing about this guy, I mean, he had major ADD. I mean, I'd start talking to him, and he would drift off and start talking about another subject. Most of the time, it was things about him and how awesome he was. So I'd be like, all right, so I printed off all these storyboards. And, I mean, there was probably close to 10,000 storyboards. And I had drawings and, and how I wanted it to look. And he, you know, reassured me what he could do and all this. But he was kind of always all over the place, too. So so that was that. 
and then, um, uh, so I started coming out there every week to check the progress and, um, it, it was kind of one of those things where, uh, when I go out there, I'd be like, all right, what the fuck? This isn't what I wanted. And he, um, you know, uh, for, for example, um, let's say, cause I don't want to give away something that I might use for a sequel if I do, because I had to cut it out of the original film cause it didn't work. But, um, you know, I, I wanted something that was very exaggerated, but yet looked realistic, right? Okay. Say a, you know, I wanted, you know, like a zombie and he would make it a very kind of maybe cartoonish and exaggerated. And then I would say, no, it's got to be toned down. And I want it to look very realistic. Like it could be real. And his excuse are, I got news for you, buddy. They aren't real. So how would I, you know, how would I make it look real? And that would be his excuse, which is the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. But uh, so he'd say that and we started having, you know, piffs and when stuff wouldn't work. And it's one of those things that, you know, when he had something he put together and it wouldn't work, he would throw a temper tantrum and be cussing and all, you know, not at me, but at the contraption that he couldn't get to work. And, you know, I'm sure you know people like that. You're kind of embarrassed for them or whoever's around. I mean, making a fool of himself so so i was getting disappointed and stuff and then um you know i called him and said you know i was really concerned because he keeps trying to do i give him my concept drawings tell him what i want and he comes back with what he thinks would look good and uh you know and he told me you know it was like you know i'll do what you want uh, I'm a loyal guy. We might have creative differences, but I'll stick through a shoot, you know, th- you know, through thick and thin. I've never quit one. I was, I was a Marine. I was a NAM, you know, all that shit he said. So I was like, okay, all right. So yeah, we're not gonna completely vibe. And I still thought this guy was a, you know, kind of all loving hippie, you know, so I didn't, other than his temper tantrum. So I had no idea that he was pure evil. So, um, so then what happened was, uh, let's see. Um, uh, oh yeah. The first day on set, um, when he showed up, he, he was sick and he apologized all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm like, no worries. We're not having any special effects for tonight. So, um, and Amara's wife was there helping him out. So one time I ever met her and she was there and she walked past me and he introduced me and she just kind of glanced over her shoulder, looked at me and then said, hi, and then walked away. I thought it was kind of weird, kind of cold. And, um, so I was like, okay, whatever. I hope that bitch is not on my set. And she wasn't, thank God. So I met his assistant, um, uh, big burly pirate looking motherfucker who was actually really, really cool. And I was thankful that he was there. Um, and it's funny cause actually, you know, as I'm talking, I remember things, but he, he, you know, one of his deals, he, that he needed an assistant, you know, that was part of the thing. And he had an assistant and that she was perfect and she was in Florida. He, he needed to get her to Virginia. But um, it's funny because later uh, it fell through. All of a sudden, all the assistants he was recommending weren't able to commit. And, you know, later as I got to know him, I realized, oh, well, he's an asshole. No one wants to work with him. So, um, uh, so his assistant was actually pretty cool. And, um, yeah, Maron said he was apologizing and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, you know, we don't have any heavy effects work. It's mainly dialogue shit. So easy first day. And, uh, so as things progressed, it was, it was, I would like hear, you know, I'd be on set and I'd hear him talking real loud and just kind of not giving a shit when we're shooting and I having to say, Hey, 
and Nietzsche to be quiet, you know, and he'd be like, oh, okay, you know, not, he wouldn't apologize or anything, he'd act like I interrupted his conversation, and then, um, and then cast members started complaining about him and saying stuff, I was like, really, and when I would go talk to him, he'd be nice, and he'd be nice to me, obviously, because I was paying him, uh, and that's another thing. The whole time he was always kind of, I've got, I got that vibe that he was always, you know, pretty greedy to get paid, you know, right away. And he had to be paid up front, which I understand. I paid him up front for materials. Um, and, you know, each week we had an agreement, I'd give him a check, you know, rather than after the production, give him the whole check. So each week he's like, I need the check. First thing he'd be like, I need the check. He would run to the bank. You know, and, and that's another huge red flag. Anytime somebody's kind of like, you know, moving their hands back and forth and saying, all right, so I need to be paid. And they're more focused on the money um, aspect of it than the being creative and the passion. Um, you know, you've got to be kind of like, ah, I don't know if it's the right guy because, I felt like he was kind of desperate for money or a job, which makes sense because he's an asshole, so no one would work with him. But um, so I think that's what it was. He 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 was just real greedy about the money and just, ah, can I get that check? I need to go to the bank. I need to run to the bank and cash it. You know, um, you know. Sometimes if I'm hired for something it's it's usually something i if i agree to i want to do and i enjoy doing and i'm about the project and then the money is kind of you know that's just how i am i've never been you know kind of like money hungry or business you know uh hungry i like the creative side i like to be creative and then i get paid for it oh that's a bonus you know I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that when you're hiring people to work on your project that you're passionate about, you kind of want to make sure they have at least some passion or a side of passion instead of a side of greed. And that's what he was. He was all greed. So, um, all right. So anyway, back to being on set, you know, people started, you know, the cast were complaining things he would say. He was being inappropriate. Um, and then I started hearing him throw temper tantrums and, um, he's one of those guys, he could be in the wrong and he will find some way to blame other people for his wrongdoing. And the best example I can think of, cause it reminded me recently, um, my mother had called me and she was she was backing up and she backed into her her boyfriend's car and dented the front end and he has a it's an older jaguar i think it's like a late 90s jaguar but he had just you know paid a shitload of money to have the thing completely you know the body restored and painted um, I think less than a week ago. So she backed into it and he was about to flip out. And her first thing she comes out of her mouth is, well, I told you not to park there, you know, and that's really not fair. When you're backing up, you're supposed to be looking in your rear view mirror and are looking over your shoulder. It was clearly behind her and it wasn't even directly behind her. So she even kind of turned to Dennett. But my mom, that was her reaction. She's not, she, I'm not comparing her to this, this asshole by any means because my mom immediately felt bad for saying that. I said, I'm sorry. I just, I was angry because I hit it and I said that. But that's an example of the type of things that he would do is if, but he wouldn't come, he wouldn't, you know, he would stick to that, you know, so that I'm just using that as an example. If he was to hit the car, he would be pissed at that person and say, you shouldn't have parked your car there. Um, even though they never discussed that. And, um, you know, so he would find, he would constantly, you know, if I said, 
you know, the effects aren't ready and stuff. Well, you didn't give me a schedule of when we're shooting. I was like, I did. And he's like, well, this isn't the format I'm used to reading it in. I was like, I've always been an indie filmmaker, guerrilla filmmaker. I don't have, you know, he obviously could tell I was on set, you know, running camera, setting up lights, doing everything, directing the actors. You know, uh, I didn't have you know, a million crew members and people to be running, uh, you know, Excel sheets to them of, you know, exactly tailor-made schedule for him. He had a binder thick of storyboards and they were divided into the days that we were shooting them. And uh, each one had a front page of actually uh, the effects that were going to be needed for that day. So it was, it was plain as day what we needed from him but he just would complain just excuse after this this isn't what i'm used to reading or you know so whatever so um so uh, fast forward because there's a lot of great stories that will come up in the future and i want to save for um future content uh, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of set it up and then jump to the end. This was kind of our last battle. And then I'm sure Ron and I will also uh, talk about them on uh, Penis Hammer. So, again, this is a blog I wrote. Um, he he wrote, um, uh, he wrote a post on Facebook basically bashing me and... Um, and he has a lot of followers and friends that all work in the same, you know, the same community within the same network I do. So that's why it was important to kind of clear my name. If he lived in Idaho and he was saying this shit, I wouldn't give a fuck. So, uh, and that was the point of posting the link. They could go check it out. He couldn't erase the link. Um, and he wasn't on Facebook like constantly 24 seven. So it was enough time for the people you know, whoever could see that and then they could go to it and then, you know, get the real deal. So, so here, here's what I, one morning I read on his, uh, his Facebook. I'll try and do his, uh, his accent here if I can. So he said, uh, Hello there, Facebook and my family and friends. I worked on a film that I discounted my rate by half to help this upcoming director three years ago in 2010. All right, this this post was um, 2012, so it wasn't even two. It wasn't even three years, um, and the film was shot in 2011. So yeah, he's horrible at math. I worked his film here in Virginia for two full weeks of night shoots. And then three weekends after that, I provided all the makeup and special effects makeup for this film at a huge discount. And I did everything he asked of me and my assistant. I never got a shooting schedule. I never got a call sheet or a shot list. He got it. He got all those. Every day was a new adventure in trying to figure out what it was we were shooting tonight. Uh, yeah, bullshit. So since I wasn't compensated as I was told I would be, and didn't even get fed meals as I was told, but three meals the entire time, I haven't pulled my trailer to location for free and lived in it for the entire shoot. I got nothing for it. So now here it is three years later and I have put several of my makeup designs on here for you all to see. This wannabe director has complained to Facebook about it so they warned me and took the photos of my work off my wall because this man-child has complained to Facebook. These are my designs, not his. To be honest with y'all, I've been in the film business for more than 30 years. My only challenge is with this industry ever has been my involvement with independent directors here on the East Coast, especially the Commonwealth of Virginia. It is too bad there aren't more professional independent directors around here who know what they are doing. Florida is calling us and we'll be there for good in nine more months. Thank God. I really hate idiots and stupid people. Peace. 
Well, Virginia don't want you, buddy, so carry your ass to fucking Florida. So uh, he wrote that post, and everyone's like, way to go, Jim. I can't believe they fucked you. You know, they read it without hearing anyone else's side. And, you know, they're on Facebook, so they don't know him personally. So, you know, they're all getting their, you know, torches and pitchforks and like, who was this son of a bitch? Tell us so we can kill him and never work with him again and banish him from, from making films in the future. Tell us a wise Jim. They didn't say that, but that was the attitude. So he uh, he got a lot of comments, and then so he wrote, uh, he posted another uh, post, and he said, Thanks for all your comments. It really helps to know you're all there supporting me and my work. As far as union membership goes, I've been a member in good standing with my union, the IATSE Local 798 Makeup Partisan Hairstyles Union out of New York for over 11 years. I take any work I get. There is no job jobs line in my union, so I'm constantly searching for work on my own. I'm a freelancer, like all union makeup artists. The reality of this situation is it has to do with who you know and who knows you. Unfortunately, not how many awards you've won for your work or how good you are at your craft it's a popularity contest there are a lot of egos i have to deal with in my world too i submit for union films every day all over the country but i have only worked on six union films in my 11 years as a union member my challenges have been with non-union films never unions but it was like pulling teeth with tweezers to get on a union film you have to know someone who likes you to get the job your talent and professionalism is always considered last, never first. At least this has been my experience over the 11 years as a member of my union in good standing. I just want to work my craft for films. This is it. When I get that chance, I win awards. I make the news. I help these films win awards. I'm a team player. I'm a positive influence on every set I work with bullshit. Ask anyone who's worked with me. My biggest challenges have been people I have agreed to work for who lied to me and did not follow through with what they said they would. The two assholes I did what I said I would and finished their no-budget independent films who lied to me from the start are Jonathan Strait and Kevin Hershberger, both from Richmond and both owe me a lot of money. I, I don't know who this guy is. He's talking about obviously someone he worked with. All right, in big in caps. Do not work with these guys. You will get fucked as I was. Too bad they're still allowed to even say they are filmmakers. They are not. This is the truth, not lies like they used to get their way. Now you can see why I'm moving to the non-commonwealth state and away from idiots here in Virginia. Not all idiots, but there sure are a lot here. More than I ever run into anywhere else. This is all the truth. If you don't like it, then you you can stop reading. <laughs> what a fucking dick. <sighs> Take a break to drink my... Um, tonight's whiskey is brought to you by Maker's Mark. Uh, which is actually one of my, uh, my favorites. Alright. Okay, so... This is where I read this, and I was filled with fire and anger and wanted to, you know, drive to his house and beat the living shit out of him. I called Ron, and um, I remember it was funny because I think I he didn't answer when I called him, and this was early in the morning, and he always gets up real early. And I was, like, panicking because I just I needed somebody to vent to, you know. So... <clears throat> Uh, finally he answered and then we, we went back and forth and, um, and, uh, came up with responses and then we put it together. And so here it is. Dear Jim, in response to your mispost of facts, let me set a few things straight. Not only for the dozen or so people who might care, but maybe to help other filmmakers avoid making the same mistakes I did when considering hiring you. Number one, 
It was a year ago that you were fired from my set, not three years ago. 2010 isn't even three years ago. Number two, you negotiated your price only to bitch about it later, then half-assed your efforts, and you were so disrespectful to everyone on set, which included 30-plus cast and crew who were all working for far less than you. If working on someone's movie for half your normal rate, which I dispute that, means that you don't even get half your normal effort, then you shouldn't victimize them by working on their movies. And that's, that's actually one of my favorite because that's true. I hate when someone says, I make this much, but I'll give you a discount. But then they don't tell you with that discount, I'm going to, you know, half-ass your work, you know. If you say you're going to do something at a price and you agree to it, you should give it your 110%. All right, number three. The first time we all ate, you weren't fed first and you threw a hissy fit. And calling it a hissy fit is put my is putting it mildly. After that, you were always fed first before any cast or crew, including myself or and my leads. You also refused to stand in line like everyone else to get your food, so we had to always have it brought to you. Diva much? Number four. You insulted my actors, even calling them retarded and gay. And I quote you, I don't give a shit if they die when they complained of you jamming your cheap bristle brushes in their eyes, purposefully rubbing your genitals on their legs and asking inappropriate, unnecessary questions, such as if they shave their privates or not. Obviously, he was asking the female cast. Number five, your own assistant recommended other effects artists when we fired you, probably because he was sick of your daily temper tantrums. Remember the one day when you got so mad at him you actually threw a hammer at him? If it wasn't for his respect for the production and camaraderie with my cast and crew, he would have quit working for you immediately, and thank God he didn't, or we wouldn't have gotten any effects done with you. P.S. Jim, you do good makeup when your brain isn't foggy, but you are not an effects artist. Not one of your effects worked right. Stop ripping off filmmakers and saying you are an effects artist, because you're it's downright criminal. Number six, I paid you thousands of dollars for pre-production of effects, weeks in advance to be ready on set. Remember that giant binder filled with daily schedules of what effects were needed, which days, you know, the one you never bothered to open and look through, and you arrived with nothing done and were making them on set the day they were needed, sometimes just hours ahead of time. Your failures and effects artists put me weeks behind schedule and cost me thousands in reshoots, not to mention forcing me to cut key moments in my script. A good effects artist supplements a production, not hinders it. In addition, you didn't have any of the materials I gave you money for, yet you did have plenty of weed for the shoot and would have to send much-needed crew members off to local stores to purchase these materials, costing me even more money. And uh, this was the biggest issue I had with him, obviously, because I did have to cut a few key moments because he was doing the effects then and there and they didn't work. They were last minute. They weren't well thought out. So I wasn't going to just put these crappy effects in my movie. It was easier to cut the scene. Yada, yada, yada. So, and, uh, I mean, he did smoke a lot of weed and I got nothing against, you know, weed smokers. Um, I'm a big, you know, drinker, but when I'm working, I don't, I don't mix the two, you know, maybe after set, you know, after a shoot or something like that. But, you know, I find I can't, you know, work, um, if I, if I'm, you know, on something or, you know, whether it's alcohol or whatever, um, there's some people, my best friend, um, I mean, he can smoke weed all day long and he can, you know, do you know, focus and, and and do his job and be motivated where you know someone like me like i can't and a lot of other people i know can't so i think it's rare you know but you know i think it it, it made you know it fog you know made him foggy and he couldn't do the shit i needed or remember certain shit or especially with continuity because he was high all right Number seven, I printed off and supplied you hundreds of pages with over 8,000 
thousand detailed storyboards and concept drawings that I spent years working on, which you then ignored, created things as you wanted, and then threw fits on and off when you had to redo them, which you then never redid right, and we and they were almost unusable. Number eight, I offered you room and board, but you insisted on bringing your trailer, which I did pay for. Reread your contract where I agreed to pay for your trailer and have all my receipts to prove it. Seriously, Jim, could you misstate more facts? You then hibernated in your pervert mobile, smoking pot and, I don't know, sniffing latex fumes when you weren't trying to lure the female actresses into it, and you were such a diva about it. Only myself or my producer had permission to knock on your door to retrieve you when you were needed on set. I think if we had you on set much longer, you would have insisted on everyone calling you Princess Jim. And the thing about that is, you know, I'm shooting uh, my producers The you know, they're all around me. We're in creative mode. We're making things happen and we need the effects artist. Okay. So I'm not going to run over and grab them and I don't want my producers there. I've got crew who are standing around, you know, to do that sort of thing. If we need errands or we need something, you know, we need a Coke or coffee, whatever. We need the effects artist. Go get the motherfucker. And he started complaining he didn't want any just random people. Only myself or the producer could go get them. For whatever reason, I have no idea. So, you know, that was another issue. All right, so number nine. We had an agreement that the pictures revealing key zombies and plot points would not be posted until the trailer was released, which you agreed to. Months after I fired you, you then asked if you could post the pics because you were you were having trouble finding work. Weird. Surprise, surprise. I didn't want you to, but against my better judgment, I felt sorry for you and compromised and said you could email the pics to potential clients. You thanked me and then posted the pics to Facebook anyway. I politely asked you to remove them and you responded by insulting my skills as a filmmaker and stated you had every right to post these images. I can repost all the emails detailing this conversation and the fallout, Jim. Want me to? As much as I despised you, Jim, I have always kept things professional. But you send me these ranting, slanderous emails filled with spelling and grammatical errors that read like a grade schooler wrote them, taking personal jabs at me and insulting my production. I never insulted your lack of effects skills to you privately or publicly, but I can show you actual footage of your effects failures in action. Besides all else, you don't need to post these pics. You have plenty of pics that show off your skills. You just seem to want to post them to damage my production because you feel wronged and need to revenge in some way. You've always striking out at the world that won't hire you. Jim, let me be honest with you and hope that you see the light and the error in your ways. You're not getting work not because you don't have pics from my movie up. You're not getting work because, well, you're a dick. Amen to that. Number 10. I don't know if it was all the pot smoking or shell shock from your years during the Civil War, but you blew continuity on a regular basis. The zombie makeup got darker and darker as the production progressed. Despite all the pics you took, you never matched anyone up the same way twice. You blew effect after effect and then got seriously pissed when I wanted another take, or at least a good take. And to sum it up here... Jim, I don't claim to run a Hollywood studio here. I'm a low-budget independent filmmaker who pours every extra cent he has into the labors of his love, and I rely on good, competent people to help me realize my visions. Fortunately for me and everyone who busted their ass on my movie, I cross paths with someone as unprofessional as you. You look down on any productions, like they're they're beneath you like cheap weed not worthy of your least favorite bong and yet strive to work for the big boys who won't hire you because you're just not good enough i've secured distribution from reputable companies with every one of my films and won numerous awards all over the country yet you call me a wannabe director you on the other hand were fired from my set 
then fired from the very next set you worked on for the same reasons. Yes, Jim, I heard all about it at the weekly. I hired Jim Choate for my film and didn't get the effects I was promised, Club. You you charge this filmmaker thousands of dollars for realistic werewolves only for them to look like teddy bears. Mr. Sober. Yes, Jim, I heard all about it. At the weekly, I hired Jim Choate for my film and didn't get the effects I was promised, Club. You charge this filmmaker thousands of dollars for realistic werewolves only for them to look like teddy bears that Spencer's would reject for being too sissy. Even the last production you went out for, they rejected you, and then you threatened legal action. By the way, do you still have that same imaginary lawyer? Because they didn't pay you for your cost analysis. A cost analysis you omitted, you told them would you would do for free. You even got fired as a casting director in North Carolina. Just look all over your Facebook posts over the last year. You were constantly bullying filmmakers left and right because they don't want to work with you. Anyone who reads your Facebook posts can see right through them and see what the real you is like. It's no surprise you can't find work recommendation here seek work as a saddle and yeah this could be another case of an irate filmmaker battling a skin prematurely aid and yeah this could be another case of an irate filmmaker battling a skin prematurely aged from overexposure to chemicals effects artists but i have everyone on my side who will back up my statements here you don't even have your own assistant to back you up i've kept quiet about you long enough while you have publicly bashed me but not anymore i will respond here once as i have better things to do except one day if time permits i will post a detailed account of working with you i think it is time that people knew the truth about you as i said above maybe it will help them avoid making the same mistake Thank you, and God bless, brother. Peace, Jonathan. And that was his saying. God bless. Brother. So, I know you guys are all asking, you know, yourself or screaming at, you know, your headphones or speakers. Why the fuck didn't you get rid of this guy, you know, sooner? You know... Uh, a couple things, and I think that m- most filmmakers would agree. S- and that's why you hear the horror stories with Hollywood and the actors and whatnot. Once, you know, when you're a filmmaker and you're, you're especially indie filmmakers, you know, I, 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 I'll do anything that it takes to get this film done, to get to, you know, I spent so many years and I'm, you know, um, from the concept to to the storyboard and the script, you know, um, you know, shooting is to me is, um, sometimes the hardest part because you got to rely for indie filmmakers anyway, but it's also the most fun. You got to rely on so many people, and I just want to get it all shot so that I can, then it's all on me to cut it together and make it as beautiful as I can. The problem is, is if I had, say, let's say after, it probably took, you know, three days to, you know, start to get to know that Jim was a, a prick. And I said, you know, fuck you, Jim, you're out of here. We were in, you know, bumfuckville and, I had spent almost all the budget already. Um, there was no way I could find somebody else and then pay them, have them come in and do it. I mean, it's just impossible. So in, in most cases, I think this happens with actors. Uh, for example, one of my first films, I kind of had a problem actor. Um, he kind of just wanted to show up when he wanted to show up and... You know, he just uh, he just was constantly pissing against the wind, and people were like, "Well, just recast." And it's like I've already shot so much footage, you know, with this actor. At this point, it's worth putting up with his, you know, his assholeness and 
finish the movie you know because that uh, that's the most important thing is the movie is getting it done and you know because i i mean to be honest you know people are going to be assholes and you got to work with them and you just you've got to drive that movie to the finish line you've got to see your passion through because the beauty of it is you can work with this you go to war you you know you make this film and when you're done that problem actor that problem effects artist you can beat the living shit out of them and are 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 make a podcast about him and warn others and whatnot. Um, unfortunately, you know, Jim and I never came to blows. Um, I would like to think that I would have broke him in half considering his, that he was elderly and he was, you know, scrawny despite him saying he was a Marine and that, um, threatened that he would kick my ass. That would have been funny. But my point is, afterwards you have you you know fuck them, they're out of it. And um, and Jim did do. There was some really good makeup he did do for it. His effects sucked. He's not an effects artist. He doesn't know a thing about effects. But as far as makeup, some of his makeup was really good, and um, and it was really some of the stuff I wanted. Even though I had to fucking battle with him to get that. But so. I guess to answer the question that you may or may not be asking is sometimes you got to put up with that shit to get your movie done because there's no way in the midst of production, you know, you can just go find somebody else, especially like an effects artist. You've already paid for the materials and they're doing good work as far as the makeup, you know, and you probably could sit here and say, well, I would have found somebody. I would have sent somebody to go research. And yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Indie film, I'm in charge of so many things. I mean, I'm being asked a million questions. Not only am I dealing with the problems from this guy, I'm dealing with, you know, problems from wardrobe not fitting or a location not working or an actor not showing up, which, I mean, that happened. An actor didn't show up. I had to find another actor. Luckily, a uh, very talented actor, uh, David Meadows uh, from Virginia Beach, came up and, um, uh, took this last minute role um, called him said hey we need you he's like when and then as soon as you can get here he's like I'm leaving you know um, and that's that's the kind of thing you know you deal with and um, you know you just try and keep you know, uh, you know at least a sense of humor about it so so that is why uh, myself and I'm sure millions of other filmmakers have not just said, hey, fuck you, because you wouldn't get your movie done. You're always going to butt heads with people, people, you know, especially on an indie level. It's hard for, you know, especially people working for cheap or free, you know. I mean, um, you're trying to, to get a bunch of people to uh, make your vision a reality, and sometimes people just don't see things the way you do, so but uh so that's it for the first podcast i hope you enjoyed it uh please leave a a like and share it or a comment um and you can follow me the links are on the page um twitter.com forward slash j straighten s-t-r-a-i-t-o-n so that's it for the first the first episode. Um, I think this is going to be an hour long. I may divide it into two parts um, or make the first one just a whole hour long. It depends uh, if you guys like listening to my voice. But uh, so that's it. And the, you know, and I'm not sure what the moral of this story is. Um, I'm hoping that it's just something that you can relate it for you know uh relate to or you know be better prepared especially in the higher hiring process the the the, some of the things i i mentioned um but i was so eager and ready to make this movie that um i overlooked some stuff you know as many people do but that's it so uh until next time
Hey guys, welcome to my weekly movie pick and review. And since this is the first episode and it's an hour long, um, I thought I would do two movies. Uh, I like to, you know, watch a lot of movies and I'll, you know, I rent movies on demand. So I thought um, I would talk about maybe a movie I rented on demand and then maybe one I've streamed like on Netflix because if you're like me, sometimes I'll spend 30 minutes trying to find the movie I want to watch and wind up falling asleep before watching it. So um, maybe if I can give you a review on a movie that's not so obvious that um, you might dig and it might make your search for a movie that much easier so uh the first movie that um brie and i watched brie's my wife on uh we rented on demand was um was chef it's new i think it came out um on demand or blu-ray um two weeks ago or so it's directed and written and stars uh um john Favreau. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he directed Iron Man and Iron Man 2, which I thought was a decent sequel. A lot of people hated it. He also did Made, which is probably one of my um, top 25 favorite films of all time. Just, if you haven't seen it, it's super funny with uh, him and Vince Vaughn. And um, most famously for actually launching Vince Vaughn's career uh, and, and itself in the movies, uh, movie Swingers. Also, um, actually, Doug Lyman, who did a movie that I love, I mentioned on the Penis Hammer show, um, Edge of Tomorrow. So uh, that movie kind of did, you know, uh, started all their careers. So, um John Favreau is, you know, has been he's done some pretty big uh, Hollywood blockbusters, and um, this is kind of his return to his indie roots, and um, and and it's it's really cool to see a you know a, a low budget film as far as Hollywood's considered with some big names in it like Robert Downey Jr. has a cameo Scarlett Johansson you can just tell that these were actors that he worked with on the Iron Man movies and they liked him and respected him and he asked him you know I'm sure to be in the movie for uh, you know cutting their rate or probably you know free so it's always cool to see that other actors you know big actors helping out um, directors if when they kind of venture off the um, kind of Hollywood movie if you will so anyway the chef he it's about he loses his restaurant um, the the job he has and he, because of a, basically a critic, um, slams his, his, um, his food and he loses his job and starts a food truck. Um, and it, it also is about him kind of connecting with his estranged family, I guess, his more or less his son. And, um, the thing I liked about the movie was for one, he probably one of his best performances ever John Favreau um I really believed him as a chef um and uh he just he just played the part so well he kind of played an out of touch just super passionate about his food which was awesome when he was happy he cooked when he was angry he cooked it was just it it, it you can tell it was his release for um almost everything and he's divorced and he has a son that um, I guess he has joint custody of. And it's cool because he takes his son and he does cool things with him, like takes him to like the amusement park and stuff like that. And he thinks that they're spending quality time together. And because he's taking them to nice places and doing nice things, he thinks that counts as spending time where the son could care less about that and would rather spend time, quality time with him you know, uh, watching him cook or, or, or just talking. So I like that aspect of it. And, and, and obviously he kind of learns that throughout the movie and, um, uh, really good. All the performances were great. Um, it was funny. 
Um, it was a good movie. I definitely recommend it. It was, I knew it would be good and it was, uh, better, better than I actually thought. And, uh, Brie actually liked it a lot too. So if you get a chance, check it out. It's chef. Um, all right. So the second movie that I will review on Netflix, um, is called in a world and um in a world has um it's it stars lake bell she wrote it and directed as well and she's a um a voice coach and she's trying to compete for the voice over for movie trailers um and she's trying to compete against her father and in and, and a business where women don't typically narrate the, the trailers. Um, you know, when you hear, This summer, from the director of The Two Plates comes Night of Something Strange. You know, that guy voice. So she's trying... Um, she wants to do that, but she's a female, which is unheard of. So it was a, it's a low budget, it, you know, again, uh, kind of Hollywood low budget, but it was really good. You know, heartwarming. It was funny. Um, I liked it cause it was just different. You know, uh, you don't see that side of things. And I love seeing movies about kind of behind the studio scene or, um, you know, people trying to achieve something they want to do that's kind of unheard of and rare. And I thought it was good. And I thought it was well put together, well written and directed. Um, and it's on Netflix and it's in a world and it's it's funny. Um, so I think you would enjoy it. Um, and that is it for my movie picks of the week. That's Chef and that's currently on demand and Netflix in a world. Uh, check them out. Peace.